0: He would turn in his work in the nick of time. He grinned as he caught up with her. Hi, Daisy. He spoke in that easygoing, confident way that was uniquely Tom Farrell. I saw you in the library, but I was too far away to say hello. I didn't want to shout and risk getting thrown out. I didn't see you. I'm doing a report on Charles Dickens for English class. I decided to read A Christmas Carol because it's short. He spoke cheerfully, moving his arm slightly so Daisy could see that indeed he had a copy of the Charles Dickens story with him. That's the one about Scrooge, isn't it? It is. Ebenezer Scrooge. He's visited by three spirits on Christmas Eve. Tom shrugged, obviously not concerned about his report. At least it won't be boring. Are you heading home? Daisy nodded. I have verbs to conjugate for Latin class. Latin, he shuddered. Miss Webster's too tough for me. I have English with her, too. Lucky you. I'm on my way to the firehouse. Why don't I walk with you? Tom Farrell was walking with her? Daisy warned herself not to read anything into it, but she felt her heart jump. She knew her cheeks had to be flushed, but she could blame the cold weather. She wore a second-hand tweed wool coat from a cousin over a dress she'd sewn herself, with knee socks and lace-up shoes. She'd knitted her hat herself, but hadn't worn mittens. Tom had on old clothes, hand-me-downs, no doubt, from his older brother. Angus Farrell had been killed in Holland last year. That was all Daisy knew, It was something no one talked about. She remembered him, always laughing, always with a good word for everyone. He'd been a medic in the army, and it was hard to believe he wouldn't be coming home to Knightsbridge. Her father was out front when she and Tom arrived at the house. For a moment, Daisy thought her father might have relented about decorating, but then she saw he was sweeping the porch steps, grumbling about the postman's muddy feet. Unexpected guests were worse, even, than the postman with muddy boots. She was afraid he was about to lash out at both her and Tom, but Tom quickly stepped forward with a disarming smile. Good to see you, Mr. Blanchard. Tom? I think we're due for a big snowstorm, don't you? Could be. We'll know when it happens. For a moment, Daisy thought her father might smile, but he didn't. Just resumed his sweeping. Embarrassed, she turned to Tom. Good luck with your book report. Good luck with your Latin verbs. Maybe I'll check out A Christmas Carol when you're finished with it. It's an inspiring story. A cheap, grouchy man learns not to give in to despair and bitterness. Tom eyed her, then her father, who didn't look up from his sweeping. More heat poured into her cheeks this time because she'd been caught. She could see in Tom's expression he knew why she'd made her comment. I'll see you around, Daisy, he said amiably. She watched him as he ambled across South Main to the Common and made his way to the fire station. When she turned around again, her father had gone inside, shutting the front door behind him. He hadn't said a word or made a sound. How much time were they supposed to give him? He simply wasn't the same man who'd left Knightsbridge in 1942. He and her mother had moved to town just before Daisy was born, scraping enough money together to buy the old house on the common. Married as teenagers, they'd been forced to leave their home in the Swift River Valley town of Greenwich, wiped off the map to make way for Quabbin Reservoir. When her father left for the war after Pearl Harbor, the dams blocking the Swift River and Beaver Brook were doing their work, allowing the valley, stripped bare of everything from houses and businesses to trees and graves, to fill with drinking water for Boston to the east. When he returned in September, the seven-year process of filling the reservoir was almost complete. The town his family had called home for generations was gone. Underwater. Hills.